0: Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a moment since I recorded, and I am so happy to be with one of my very best friends on planet Earth, Mark Holtzman. You are a certified Ayurveda practitioner. You are an Amrit Yoga Nidra teacher. You have over 20 years experience teaching Hatha Yoga and meditation. You live happily now between New Jersey and Paris with some medical tourism in Los Angeles <laughs> on the annual. We have the great pleasure of sharing today what I think is your finest hour in the scope of your work and as I've seen you over the last two decades create what it is that you're here to, to deliver. Mm. Your understanding of Ayurveda is vast and deep. Mm. And the course that you are now launching for a second time is called micro habits. Right. I do believe in the heart of my heart that this is the most important conversation that we can be having. So our listener, as I introduce you to Mark and as we start to talk about what these micro habits really entail, Mm -hmm. listen for yourself as to where exactly in your life, you can start to install little micro habits not just for the sake of getting well, not just for the sake of living longer, but for the sake of trusting yourself. Mm. This is where I stand with microhabits. So Mark, a couple of other things I want to point out from your bio first. You do teach on livekick.com, which is one of my favorite platforms. And you also have this sort of worldly to. Audiences, you have an audience in Europe, yeah, with whom you like to work uh, for the last, gosh, how many years has it been that you've been living?
1: Twelve years in Paris. on Twelve a years in Paris now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's been a long time since I left.
0: Twenty ten. I I can only I gauge everything by which man I was dating at the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that was the beginning of the
1: Bentley years. Got it. Got it. Happy years. And and still in the James.
0: And, and, and now here we are, James. we're still in the James years, 10 years late. We're almost 10 years in with James. Right. Amazing. <laughs> but it. notably about Paris, you started, co-founded the Gorilla Yogi community, which is a donation based community class. That's just the best, my favorite. Mm. I've done it. I've taught it. I've taken it. It continues to thrive in Paris, yeah. the Gorilla Yogi. So if you're looking for it, it's G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. Oh, actually one R, two Ls, pardon.
1: That's a very generous introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Thank it's you. just true. Yeah. It's just what's true. Yeah. The funny thing is, of the gorilla yogi, I, I started that in Los Angeles and then I left. I went to Paris uh, where I'm living half the time and it's become something that I do in any city that I end up landing in as a way to build a community. So it's like I bring that with me, this roving uh itinerant donation class, whatever city I I sort of land in. So oh, beautiful. Yeah. You know, I was I was just thinking uh once I heard New Jersey, um just kind of dovetailing with that, the the reason why I am in New Jersey. Uh, where I grew up is because my mom is there she'll be 94 years old in October and as an only child um, her health she's in great health right now um, but is my my complete responsibility uh, both financial and and physical I, I live close to her so I can tend to her when needed and when uh, when we're talking about ayurveda when you were just talking about it about wanting to be healthy beyond wanting to be healthy when i'm when i'm caring for her it's it reminds me that one of the reasons that self-care is so important especially with ayurveda is so that we are well enough to be in service to others. That was the the first day of my Ayurveda. I was in a two-year training to be a practitioner, my Vaidya Jagopal, we sometimes call him Dr. J. Big letters across the the blackboard, Dharma, which is your your life's work, your mission that your soul signed up for in this lifetime. Uh, We can get specific in the swadharma, like the little things that you do, but the main thing is to relieve the suffering of others and caring for people, especially an elder. It takes energy. It takes a vibrant mind. Um, So it's not just about feeling good for the sake of feeling good. It's in the bigger, broader uh, picture. How can we feel good so that we can be of service to our family, to our friends, to our community, our state, our country, our universe? This is why um, I get very excited about, about Ayurveda. So...
0: Thank you for that. the the reorientation toward the the broader dharma I think is really important and much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah,
1: it takes um, it takes good health. You know, life life could be hard, and it takes good health and a vibrant uh, mind to be able to navigate and and be of service in that way. So, and this is where Ayurveda uh, really really shines. Also, because it's in a way very simple. It is very simple. It's very household. I mean, half the half the things, half the herbs and spices that that it, that are used in Ayurveda, you probably either have growing in your backyard <laughs> or you can find at your local market. So it's 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 very accessible in that way. Right.
0: And when it comes to I just sort of want to put all of this together when it comes to let's say first thing starting your day. Mm -hmm. One of the most important practices that I have is actually the tongue scraping and oil pulling. Yes. It seems to be working. My gums are not receding anymore. Mm -hmm. And I managed to live for almost three years without getting COVID. I finally did. Right. But I think keeping our oral biome clean with that very first core practice of Dinacharya is, is one of
1: the reasons. Absolutely. And the great thing about this, that's one of the first habits in the series of, of the micro habits. Um, The reason why I love this habit so much, it sort of exemplifies this whole like small changes, equal significant, you know, results is the tongue scraper is small, It is easy to use. It doesn't take more than 10 seconds to do. And it does so much. It does so much. Not only, as you said, to keep the the biome clean, to clarify the taste buds so so you can taste your food, uh, because often the tongue can start getting caked up with with mucus and and bacteria. So to be able to clean it, you're not only clarifying your, your taste buds, but it's also a diagnostic tool. So what I sort of present to you and, and, and our audience here is when you wake up in the morning, stick your tongue out and take a look at your tongue because your tongue is the part of your digestive system that you can see. It's not just something that flaps around so you can talk, right? That's one thing. But it's it is a continue it, there, It's part of the food tube between the mouth and the adenous. It's the part that you can see. So whatever is going on in your gut is going to be reflected on your tongue. So that if you open your your mouth and you look at your tongue in the morning and you're seeing a lot of white junk, gunk. We call that ama a m a, not to be confused with ama the hugging saint a m m a, ama literally means undigested. So we take food in, we take all the stuff in from the outer world. We bring it into our inner world, our own physiology. Hopefully we completely absorb and and, um, assimilate what we need and then completely eliminate what we don't need. Now, if there's anything left over that is undigested, ama. That's a problem, especially when it starts accumulating day after day after day from poor eating habits and poor timing in eating habits. My my point here is that when you look at your tongue in the morning and use your tongue scraper, that's also a diagnostic tool. So you can see how much you're scraping, how much amma you're scraping off your tongue. Now, it's you're seeing it's presenting on the tongue. It's also, it can be in the bloodstream. It can be in your joints. You'll know you have uh, too much ama if you're feeling really sluggish in the morning. One of the, the sort of the gold standard of, 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 of Ayurveda and how you your, – your quality of health is that you should be able to wake up in the morning and feel relatively clear and light. Yes, there will be some sluggishness, obviously, because you've been sleeping, it's been dark, you haven't been moving – but if it takes you a long time, if people say they need like five cups of coffee just to like, don't talk to me until I have my coffee, that's a problem. That's a pro- and the problem is probably that there is a lot of ama in the system. Uh, so it's a diagnostic tool. And then thirdly, um, just like in reflexology where the organs are mapped out on the bottom of the feet, in Ayurveda, we say that the organic body is also mapped out on the tongue. So when you, and there's, you know, there's charts you can Google as, you know, the lungs are in this part of the tongue and the heart is, when you scrape your tongue, this remind you, reminding all of you that we're just talking about tongue scraping, the profundity of just like this little tool. Um, You're also. Dude, I can tell what I
0: ate the night before. I can tell the next day. It's so obvious to me, the difference between meat and vegetables and not that anyone is preferable or not. I can see and feel it.
1: Yes. And you start taking note and you can start writing down and keeping a little journal. I'm not crazy about journaling about my food stuff, but you need to look. And if there's a lot of umma on your tongue, you need to sit down with the journal and just contemplate what, what you did the day before. And how can I make that a little better? How can I, I change that? It's also great to initiate your digestive fire in the morning, which can be a little sluggish. Just that little pressure on the tongue. You don't have to go hard just from back to forward a few times, to get the ama off, that pressure on the tongue actually begins to kind of just spark, ignite the, the agni, the metabolism. Now that's just tongue scraping.
0: <laughs> and that's just tongue scraping. The next thing that I do is the oil pulling, which I think is part of your course. Yes.
1: Yeah. That comes under the sense organ care uh, week. Or how we take care of
0: tell tell our tell our listener about that.
1: Yeah, about tongue scrape about um, the oil pulling or the oil pulling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So oil, what oil pulling does and how you do it is you take a small amount of oil. It can be either uh, coconut oil or sesame oil. Understanding that if you are not used to having oil in your mouth might make you gaggle. We're not asking you to swallow it. But some people, if you haven't had something so viscous in your in your in your mouth, it might you know something you get used to. You so you you can use just a little bit. You swish it around your mouth. It's great for the jaw. It's great to strengthen the jaw. It also pulls all of the bacteria out, not only in your mouth but in the head, in the neck, in the upper chest. It's a real cleanser for the upper body to remove uh, what we call kuffa from the upper uh, part of of the body. There's there's some debate on how long to do it. I was told, taught by my teacher, that if you're going to do it just once in a while, that 20 minutes is ideal. I know that sounds like a lot, but honestly, you can multitask with this. You put a little bit, set a timer, you can do, do some emails. It's not as long as you think. If you're going to do it every day, You can probably get away with five to eight minutes would be fine. So, and then you spit it out, you can spit it out, um, in your garbage can over time. You can kind of, it's not great for the drains. That's why I say, you know, don't, don't spit it out in your, certainly don't swallow it. All of that, that you've just accumulated into the, into oil, but you can spit it out into the garbage or figure it away. That's, you're not clogging your drains up.
0: Yeah. Usually I spit it out into the trash of yeah, the toilet. That's, or.
1: that's fine. It makes your eyes brighter. It makes your teeth whiter. All of that. It's, it's another kind of small thing, you know, in all of the sense organ care. And I've, I've said this before. Oh my, as I get older, I have an aunt who's in a uh, nursing home now who can't see. And I think, oh man, you want to keep your senses. That's how we experience the world. If your if your senses are dimmed or eliminated by ten percent, your your participation and experience of your life is diminished by ten percent. You really those are like you know it's how we take the world in. Super important.
0: What I would like to know now is the sort of flow of micro habits of the course. I think it's at a really important point in our time on this planet. That we have to start going inward and addressing ourselves, like I said at the very beginning, trusting ourselves, and as you very wisely added, so that we can be of service with longevity and a vibrant mind. I want to know the flow of this course and what can what can our listener expect.
1: Absolutely, uh, that's a that's a great question because there is a cruma a sequence to this uh, that I found is, you know, because. There are quite a few habits and it's important that they're, they're taught in a way that where it doesn't feel overwhelming. Some of the habits, you know, the students, the clients may be doing already. um, But it's important that the, that the sequence, there's a, there's a method and a mad, to the madness of the the sequence of all these uh, habits. One of the first habits is to eat an early and light dinner. And the reason why that's important, because the habits that come after that, which is early, uh, to, uh, early to bed and then early to rise. So the first three I find are, are the hardest. If, if a student is not doing that already, it's, 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 uh, it can be overwhelming if you're not in that habit zone already.
0: I see it actually in our house because we were in a habit of eating pretty late. And now we're dialing it back so that we're eating, you know, by before seven. And even that feels a little bit late.
1: Well, actually not too bad. I like to be done with dinner by about six and you have some wiggle room there, right? I don't like to be too, you know, strict with, you know, everyone has a a certain life that, you know, people don't all get home at the same hour and this and that. But dinner between five and I'd say 6.45 is, is... Is not so bad, not so bad. Um The idea here, but I is,
0: meditate at five thirty. Shit.
1: Hey, listen, that's a that's a good thing
0: for the hour.
1: That's a good thing.
0: Mm. I'm gonna have to figure it out with them. I think six forty five is like our right. our window, right? Of reality.
1: Exactly. Well, also, and and this is what I I'll certainly teach in the habits because it's not only about Ayurveda. The reason why I love this course, I'm so proud of this course. It's not just a flat uh, theoretical teaching of Ayurveda. It's a learning Ayurveda by doing uh, through the habits. So it's a it's a great combination of the two. And one of the ways that we um, begin to get better with habit change is to it's sort of like the, the the main habit change science ingredient is something called the Kaizen method, which is small, small, changes if you have been eating dinner at seven o'clock then start just dial it back by 15 minutes you don't have to be extreme and dial it back to five o'clock 645 is great it's 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 a perfect w- place to start and if you want to go earlier than that then you can go down another 15 minutes but in incremental um, and don't forget Elena we're also fighting um, the momentum of our of our um, of our history, of our past. I was, you know, we ate late. My We ate at like 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. Dad came home from work. It was meat and potatoes at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. So I'm, I think a lot of us are working against this cultural momentum that we already have in the past, which is like, oh, dinner is the biggest meal and it's kind of late at night. So I have to, um, you know, reprogram myself a little. Plus I have, I have lived and I still live in cities where I know you also lived in New York city as I did, where the rhythm of a city is, is counter to the Ayurvedic circadian cycle where people eat late. They go to bed late. They they kind of wake up a little late. Um, But eating an earlier and lighter dinner is the first habit because it leads us into an earlier bedtime. And we want to get a good three to four hours of nothing in the stomach before we go to bed. And one final thing I'll add on to that is, uh, I know there's a lot of talk currently about um, uh, intermittent fasting. Um, Ayurveda proposes that there's a 12 to 13 hour uh, period between dinner and breakfast, where there's nothing in the system. So that's your intermittent fasting between n- nothing in the belly between dinner and and breakfast. If you can get to thirteen hours, that's uh, that's a great way for the body to kind of revitalize. You don't want your body to go into the process of digesting is really a heavy and um, strong. Uh, process. It takes up a lot of energy. That's not the time. Middle of the night is not the time uh, to ask your body to do something that is was not designed to do, is to digest at 11 o'clock at night. That habit alone can, can – there's a ripple effect. That habit alone is the sort of domino for everything else that comes after.
0: Right. I see it on my aura ring. When I eat late, my heart rate goes down. Mm-hmm. My sleep is interrupted. Mm-hmm. As soon as my blood sugar tanks in the middle of the night, I, this doesn't happen anymore, but I used to be waking up in the middle of the night because my adrenals would then fire
1: off. Correct. That's right. And so it's so much better now. Yeah. Knowing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're we're also diurnal beings. I mean, yes, we're affected by the moon in, in nocturnal, of course, but, you know, we're meant to wake up with the sun, (laughs) the sun rises, it's, it's, it's high and then it sets. We wake up and then we go back to sleep. And we're not like, we didn't evolve from the species of raccoons that kind of (laughs) rummage through late at night. Our, our digestive system, we, we actually have uh, we don't even from a Western perspective, we don't even, we don't produce as much bile, which we need for digestion after the sun goes down. Right. Sun goes down, your Agni goes down. It just goes with the sun in that way.
0: Right. It's good to, Agni is digestive fire. It's good to know our listener just to, just to see it like that. Like, okay, if the sun is down, the fire is off.
1: Yes, exactly. The fire is off since our our digestive fire is in direct correlation with the sun. So yes, eat that largest meal- in the middle of the day. And then the nighttime meal, certainly you can eat, but have it be a little lighter. Something with more water content since we're already 70% water, it's the easiest to digest uh, easiest to digest, a nice hearty soup. Yes, you can have a crusty piece of bread <laughs> if you if you like, but just keep it and the kaizen for that is if you can't eat earlier, then eat a little lighter. Start there. Mhm. Mm-hmm. There's always ways it... you can tweak it, lowest hanging fruit, I call it, where you make the habit so simple that you can't say no. Right. Right.
0: The course goes for six weeks. Is that true?
1: Yes. Six weeks. Uh, I used to teach this course uh, starting in 2012 this is the second time I'm doing it in this new improved format. I kind of, you know how you, you, you teach a course and you learn, by, I'm like, okay, that worked, that didn't. Uh, it used to be almost 12 weeks. and I found that to be a little bit too long. Uh, and I found that a six week period is, is just right. We take one habit per week with a little bit of an integration week to make sure everyone's integrating what we've already done. Uh, yeah. October 3rd through November 13th.
0: But you'll, you'll run this again. No, it won't just be this year.
1: Correct. I'm, I'm looking to do this twice a year. I ran it earlier this year. I'll run it again, October 3rd, and I'll probably do it again in the, in the spring.
0: So spring and fall
1: Yeah, for our listener. Okay, cool. Cool. One of the great additions that I didn't do in the beginning is, uh, is using, recruiting yoga nidra into the, into the mix. Um, So that we're not only learning to implement habits from the outside in with this list of habits and trying to do, but also taking time several days a week to, to meditate in yoga nidra. um, uh, Because we can work from the inside out when we're resting in pure awareness, resting in that place over time. The habits kind of realign. There's like a like a shakti, like a powerful inner housekeeping, house sweeping that happens from the inside out. Uh, so we're hitting it from both ends.
0: And then when it comes to the sort of middle of the day, I'm always curious to just hear the flow of a day for for this sort of practice. Mm-hmm. Teach us a little bit about what happens after we tend to the oral biome. Mm-hmm. Then what?
1: So we tend to the oral biome in the morning. Uh, it you can absolutely have something to eat in the morning if you're if you're hungry, if you're not hungry, you don't have to eat. Um, but if you are going to eat something as we prep for the middle of the day, remember that we we want to eat things that will kindle the ugni and not suffocate it think of it as a like a, a burning log like you don't want to put a damp log on it think of so you you know if you're going to have a cooked cereal make sure you have things like cinnamon and turmeric and uh you can even have a little uh black pepper on there but something you know not what i used to do which is like oh i think i'll have some cold yogurt and frozen blueberries you know that is just like funk it just kind of kills the Got it. fire you know well, fruit is okay, but not- none- And what about like, what about like a shake? A shake is great. I would keep it light and I would, I would also lighten it. I would lighten the qualities of the shake with some, uh, with some turmeric, um, some ginger, if you can put a shake in there, something to warm it up a little bit because ginger and turmeric are great for the digestifier, for Agni. Got it. So if you're going to have a shake in the morning, that's, that's okay. Just, just see if you can heat it up a little bit. Uh, so the, uh, we have our most power during 10 and two in, uh, 10 in the morning until two in the afternoon. We call that pitta time of day. You can eat your largest meal. This is usually when we do our most, uh, most of our work. Uh, you also, you want to eat this largest meal at this time of day because after two or three o'clock, we're moving into something called vata time which is earth and, uh, I'm sorry, which is air and space. And because those are the lighter qualities, the more subtle elements, you want to make sure that you're eating enough during the day to ground the energy so that you can make it through the rest. You know, people often say, oh, 3 o'clock, I want to take a nap, four o'clock, I'm feeling kind of lethargic. It might be because you're not eating lunch, or you're not eating enough to ground yourself at that. You have to feed the pitta and the vata. That comes after the air and space, you know, for the rest of the day, three, four, five, six o'clock. So that's the most important thing. You can take a walk after you eat. Um, yeah, this is this is work time and eat time.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do work really well when I have that big – I started making dal and because James can't have um, onions and garlic, I make it without that. hmm And then I put in ginger or a little bit of ume plum vinegar, some tamari. It's really nice. It's
1: really good. That's like, dal is like the, you know, India just bows, Ayurveda bows to the dal. That's, uh, you know, the mung beans. You can put rice in there too. It's just a great source of protein. It's just heavy enough. It's great for the digestive fire. It's really grounding and you can eat it, you know, you can also eat it. If you don't mind repeating, you can eat it for dinner too. (laughs)
0: I have done so. <laughs> we love, we love this doll. I make it with lentils, little red lentils.
1: And just to go through the rest of the day, um, you know, yeah. if you get into Vata time in the later part of the day, which is air and space, that's a great time for communication. Remember Vata, air and space, which is wind, uh, has one of the qualities of of mobility, things move. So it's a great time for emailing, meetings, Uh, you know, because communication can pass more easily between us uh, during, during that time. And then when six o'clock PM comes, we're getting heavy again with kuffa, earth and water time. So the sun is starting to set. The lights are going down. The temperature's going down. The energy is starting to get a little heavier. Certainly we know that like seven o'clock at night doesn't feel like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, right? There's a heavier energy there. That's why we eat lighter and we just start to do things at night that will begin to, that we follow to bed. We don't want to do our most stimulating work at that hour. That was supposed to be done during the day. I I often say when when people are are so committed to this identity that they have, like I'm a night person, I do my best work at night, I think, hmm. As humans, I have to ask that person, are you really a night person or are you plowing through cuff of time between six and 10? And instead of doing nourishing, yummy things, earth, water, mud, you know, heavy, instead of doing earthy things like maybe taking a bath or giving yourself an oil massage, part of a sense organ care, um, you know. Something or reading, something that's, you take a walk, you be with your family, this yummy connection stuff. Are you blowing through that time and doing really arduous, stimulating work? You could be blowing by, you're not feeling the downward pull of energy, I guess is what I'm saying. You're not allowing yourself to feel the heaviness that naturally comes at this particular time. And then all of a sudden, 10 o'clock comes, pit to time, you're like, oh, I got my second wind. I'm a night person, you know.
0: Oh my God. Yes. I used to say that. That's funny. That's the pit of time. Of course, of course, of course. If I'm not in bed by 10, it's trouble.
1: That's a perfect time. Ayurveda generally loosely says like in bed by 9, 9, 9.30, asleep by 10 is is a pretty good, is a pretty good deal.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except when you're watching old movies with James and then.
1: Right, And then we know, and I, I know you know, that like once you start putting the computer on and that blue light starts hitting your third eye in the pineal gland, then the melatonin production for the circadian health, circadian medicine gets, gets out of whack. We, 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 we don't want to confuse the mind. Like the, the, we need the light during light times and then we need the darkness. So true.
0: So true. We, at least, we, at least if we are watching films, we stop them at about 10 and we try and keep night time films to older films.
1: Yeah. Something a little more,
0: you know, if we're watching an old film, yeah, it's like super old thirties, forties, fifties. Exactly.
1: No horror suspense.
0: Yeah. No, 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 no. I only did that once in my life since I moved here. We watched Inception which I hadn't seen. So, what a phenomenal film, but wow, it was just too much to watch at night.
1: That's too much. Is that the Leo DiCaprio film, I think?
0: Correct. Really brilliant. Really brilliant.
1: So well done. Yeah. Yes.
0: She folds Paris in on itself. Like, what? <laughs> oh my God. I nearly died. And of course, they picked Paris for that scene. The, the, I think the real sort of notable aspect and why I wanted you to come on the podcast to talk about this course sort of ongoing is you've committed yourself to understanding these very subtle, energetic shifts in the body, in the times of day, in our minds, in our hearts, to be a really efficient teacher of energy. That's what I, when I think of you, that's what I think of. Absolutely. And I think the Nidra part is a very important aspect of what you do.
1: I, yes, that is a revelation. Uh, after teaching it now for for several years, my advanced degree there from, from Amrit, it's, you know, Yoga Nidra is used from, for everything from, uh, you know, to help with addiction and PTSD and, and to actually restructure good habits you know, taking, carving the time out to, to sit in pure awareness, God, self, you know, consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's a natural realignment when done methodically, systematically over time that happens almost effortlessly where from the outside in doing the habits can have an effortful feel. The yoga nidra is a way for, to meet the same goal but with no effort, it just naturally happens over time when you, you sit in this place of, of pure awareness. So, yeah.
0: And you're such a skillful teacher of it. I really love taking your classes on LiveKick. Mm-hmm. When I can, they're, they're, they're very masterful.
1: Yeah. I was thinking of one thing um, where you just said something and, cause I know you, you do this also. Um. When we look at the, you know, there's, there's so much life coaching, business coaching, which I'm so happy to, I love it. I love whenever everyone is, is in some, uh, journey of, of evolution and process. What's so great about this, this course with Ayurveda habits is that before we can even go through these, these loftier aspirations, we need to get the nuts and bolts right. We need to like nail down living with circadian rhythms and having healthy physical and mental habits. I, I often think, as a as a yoga therapist, and uh, when and my doctor used to say this as well, my Ayurvedic doctor, that bef- uh, before we can even address, you know, wh- what the health of a patient is, whatever their malady is, what happens first when we simply put them in alignment with the circadian rhythm, which is nature's, you know, into the sattvic arms of mother nature. Um, and, and what happens, what kind of healing can happen there? We have this this cute little adage in, in Ayurveda that goes first the word, then the herb, and then the knife, which is a cute way of kind of telling us that Ayurveda is will always start with the least invasive. So even before herbs are prescribed, what the word means is, kind of verbal guidance on how and that's really what this course is on how to put you in the circadian rhythm and see what kind of healing with nature just takes place there then we can move to the next step which is okay now that you're adjusted with nature now let's look at the herb that we can that we can use
0: right i never knew that that's so interesting
1: isn't it isn't that something so it's we, we can call that like health coaching is sort of like the word Right. Then the herb.
0: Right. The real, the real meaning of it. Yeah.
1: Then there's the knife because in Ayurveda, there are some minor, minor surgeries. We don't do them here in the US. They can do them in India, but that's like last. But herb, I'm sorry, word, herb and knife. So this is, I look at this as, as the word. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: Right. It's a, it's a fine offering that you make here. There's a reason why I wanted to have you here. A, I do love you, but I do think that it's really, really important for people to just go, okay, let's go back to basics. Here are a few things that you can do. Yep, Get closer to yourself, build trust, get super vibrant in your body and your mind, line up with the sun and the moon and make your life a little bit more smooth.
1: Exactly, and and the reason why we need some accountability and a course to do this is because, you know, a lot of times uh, some of these practices we didn't grow up with, right? they are in practices I didn't grow up with with tongue scraping anyway, and some of the and like I said, the eating things or or uh, habits are a little bit different. So we need accountability. We need to do this in a group. Uh, quite often, uh, people who take this course are the only ones in their family under one roof that is doing this habit evolution course. So they need the accountability (laughs) of the group that we're with in the course, um, to stay the, to stay the track, to, to go the distance.
0: Yeah. I feel that. I love some accountability. It makes me feel really good to just have people to sit with even virtually or, you know, work with on, on all sorts of things. I do that. Anything else that we haven't touched on that we
1: should? Um, oh, besides that, I adore you. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, one, I find that um, just, just one thing, one of the, the, the things we, we do in this, in habit evolution is in the science of habit change is something called a Kaizen uh, approach. Uh, It's a Japanese. This is really interesting. uh, The Kaizen approach is a managerial tool that was used in businesses in World War II in America when they were turning car factories into tank factories. But I think it actually originates Kaizen. It's it's a Japanese uh, with the Toyota uh, company. And the whole idea is um, how can we make small, small, small micro. That's why I call it micro habits, incremental changes so that we can receive a maximum or the business can experience positive change overall small small steps and uh, it actually works because we have a tendency to kind of just want to go cold turkey or just in some ways just to uh, bite off too much that we can chew so mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah like
0: that. Make it more difficult than it needs to be.
1: Exactly. Because what you know, when something, when you look at something in its whole, it feels very overwhelming. Break it down, break it down, break it down, break it down. And and also be kind of easy on yourself. I always say it's what you do 70% of the time that's really going to make the difference. We can't be 100%, you know, spick and span.
0: That's so nice. The 70% really feels very spacious and I appreciate
1: that. Yes. We can't get hard on it. We'll be really hard on ourselves. We, we, but as, as you know, you know, you, you do it, you do it, you're doing good. You're going through, you're scraping your tongue every day. And then like one or two days go by and you fall off. And it's all about getting back on the horse, as we just talked about, about something else, uh, getting back on the horse. And and that's it. Uh, You know, the, the successful people will always say, you know, yeah, we, we make mistakes. We fail. Here we are. But the reason why I am where I am is because I got right back on track and continued, you know, we're humans. It happens. So, um, there's a lot of allowance there as well. You know, no scolding, no, no, you know, shaming or, or, you know, negative self-talk at all.
0: Yeah. Just support empathy. Yeah. For yourself.
1: Yeah. And be of service.
0: I'm so proud of you. So proud of you.
1: See You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I
0: want to, I want to, I want to sort of go back to what you said at the very beginning with uh, regards to your mom, mm-hmm. 94 years old, healthy. And you're there in New Jersey, a good half the year, right. just so that you can tend to her. And that you use these micro habits of ayurveda to ensure that you have a very radiant body and mind in order to be of the highest service to her and i just want to point out you know a lot of us are if we haven't already we're entering into a time where you know caring for elders is is going to be a part of our reality for some time and it's nice to think about the idea of taking care of ourselves so that we can be efficient in those realms. It's a really sweet, closed loop.
1: Yeah. Especially when you think, you know, some people think that mistake self-care for in any way being selfish in any way, it's like completely opposite. I'm at an age now at, at 60 where I'm starting. I, like I said, I also have an aunt, my mother's sister who's in a nursing home. I, I also have friends who uh, some have cancer and I thought, you know what? I need to be around I'm seeing it more because I'm I'm getting older. These are the things I'm seeing now. I, I need to if I'm gonna take care of, of my friends, I need to be diligent about taking care of myself. I've I've got to because I need to I need to take care of these people that don't right now have the the strength, really. That's right.
0: That's right. Thank you for that distinction.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: James loves you.
1: Hello, James.
0: I told him I was coming in here to talk to you before, and he said, tell him I love him.
1: I love you, James. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, I'll make sure he listens to this. Yeah,
1: I'll give him a call too.
0: I just, I love you so much. I'm so proud to be your friend all these years and to share your great, great work.
1: I so appreciate that. And you know, I feel the same. I, you're my, I, I've told you, you're my silent accountability partner. There are many times when I'm stuck and I'm making out my course and I think, God, what would what, what Elena do right about now? What was it? You're like my internal, uh, compass there. So you're great inspiration.
0: Oh, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to serve you in that way. Etherically.
1: You walk the walk, so.
0: Right. The course is Microhabits. It's M-A-R-C, Mark Holtzman, holzma com forward slash microhabits, one word. Um, you can get all the information there. Like he said previously, 2022 is when we're recording and it'll be from uh, October to November. And basically every year, ongoing indefinitely, Mark will be offering this in the spring and the fall.
1: Right. Exactly. Perfect.
0: Thank you. Thank My you. Dear,
1: thank you. you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening who are who are listening to this. I really appreciate it.
0: Yes. Yes. And we'll talk soon, very no very soon. Little catch-up time. Okay.
1: You bet. All right. Bye-bye.